Well, it is 48 years and counting and 40 years and counting for the last Indians World Series win and the last uh, no-hitter thrown by the Indians. But you don't have to wait 40 years between podcasts for us, whether that's a good thing or not. I'll let you decide. Uh, I'm Justin Latta, joined by Spencer Carlson on another episode of Smoke Signal. Spencer, at least you don't got to wait long for another Cleveland win. They are winners of 9 of 10 and 13 of 16. Yeah, man, they're scrapping out all these wins each game. Seems everyone is a little bit different, but uh feels good to uh, see them be in the plus and uh, a couple games above 500. I mean, a lot not to be expected from us, but they're playing good baseball right now. Yeah, if I had told you back in March when we started, you know, doing podcasts together that after 35 games, Cleveland would be 21 and 14. How would how would you have thought they got there by being at that record? I would have believed they traded for Mike Trout and Yu Chang would have hit twenty five home runs. <laughs> well, Mike Trout's really good. Yu Chang is not, and Cleveland is twenty one and fourteen. Uh, they're doing it with essentially the fourth worst offense in baseball. They're they're averaging over four runs a game, to be, which is kind of surprising. I, when I I had I would have guessed they were averaging under four runs a game, but they've had a couple of big games out there, so I guess it all evens out. They're 17th in baseball and runs a game at 4.14, but they have the fourth worst weighted runs created plus mark at 84. They have the fourth worst WOBA, which is weighted on base average and uh, baseball at 290. But obviously we know they're winning because they are fourth in baseball and runs allowed a game at 3.60. That's... They average more runs a game than they allow, so that's a good way to be in, you know, be a good team, be above five hundred, just score more runs than your opponents. Yeah, I mean, we just, said we said early on that in March or even February, like if they can play four to three, three to two baseball, then they would win a lot of games. Well, they ended up doing exactly that. I don't remember what their record is when they score above three runs, but I think they're like 15 and something like they're just like absurdly above 500 like 10 15 games above 500 so they get that three four run mark it's almost unfathomable to beat the indians because there's not a lot of games where the indians are giving up four five six seven runs they're just not doing it and their pitching is always the backbone to their success so if the indians can do what they even did last night they hit two home runs and they didn't hit at all, but they still won. And that's exactly been their recipe for success all year. They're going to hit a shit ton of home runs, but they're on pace for with a handful of guys. And they're not going to hit the baseball. They're going to be a bunch of 230 hitters on this baseball team. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that they, um, you know, it, it is kind of, not, I don't want to say feast or famine. There's been games they've been able to win without homers. But, yeah, more often than not, they hit uh, two or more homers. They're generally going to win a game and I have to I'd have to look but I'm pretty sure um there some ridiculous record after the sixth inning I had I thought someone had it last night it might have been Zach Mizell or somebody wrote it but the Indians have an incredible record after the sixth inning because you know you bring in the triumvirate of Brian Shaw James Karen and even though Emmanuel Classe has kind of had some hiccups lately they've still been pretty good when all those three guys get in the game. It almost reminds me of um, 
who was it? Shaw, Shaw, Miller, and Allen. You know, yeah. when those three guys pitched in the game, um, when they were you, here. Uh, how dare was... you disparage uh, Dan Otero's <laughs> name like that? Dan, Dan Otero was the first guy out of the bullpen when things got rough. He was how the, dare, how dare the guy you? that stretched things out. I, I like Dan Otero. He was good. But wait until I call Dan Otero and let him know what you've been saying about him. Isn't it amazing, though? Like, the last time the Indians had this dominant of a bullpen, Brian Shaw was part of it, and he's back again, and they're good again. It's No, stop it. Clearly, <laughs> clearly the answer to having a good bullpen in Cleveland is Brian Shaw has to be a part of it. So Brian Justin, Shaw is going to pitch here until he's 50, and he's going to break all kinds of records. Justin's literally going to have a baseball team with Brian Shaw pitching and great guys more playing center field and thinks he's going to win baseball games. Uh, the guys over at the, uh, the site formerly called Let's Go Tribe did that. I think it was uh, – I can't remember who ran the experiment. It was, I think it was Matt Schlitting or Merritt Rolfing who they put Brian Shaw in uh, in OOTP baseball, and the whole team was made. Brian Shaw had to pitch every game, and I think he pitched like 19, 1,900 innings in one year, and his area was like 40. And it was like, we're just going to abuse the crap out of Brian Shaw and see how bad it can get. And they won like one game all year. They won, they won one in 161. Exactly. So how <laughs> Exactly. So, how valuable is he? If you can't pitch nineteen hundred innings, how could you be relied on? I guess when you're the only pitcher on the team, then you have nobody else to count on. You know what's crazy about that is that's exactly how baseball was played a hundred years ago. It's like, all right, dude, you pitch the first part of the doubleheader. Go put some ice on your arm. We'll have you pitch at seven o'clock. Also, yeah, that guy everyone was talking about a few months ago. I have to, I have to go back because uh, my girlfriend was obsessed with this guy. He was, he was showing up all over. On, on opening on Twitter, and, and the guy who was the guy who um, pitched both ends of a doubleheader. Then Connie Mack promised him a all expenses paid fishing trip if he pitched both ends of the doubleheader. And the first game went like seventeen innings, and he actually got the game winning hit. And then he still went out there and pitched the second game. And then after the game was over, he took off, and he was only heard from him for three days. Uh, <laughs> man, I wish we could have watched some baseball. I, I wish we had baseball like that, along with the technology we have now, just so we can. See how crazy that was. So crazy story, and this probably shouldn't be a story that's told because this is how literally should not be played these days. But uh, back when I was pitching in little league, I think it was I think eleven and twelve year olds. Um, you were allowed to pitch ten innings a week and six innings a start. So we played in a game that was six innings, and it was a really tiny strike zone. So there was a lot of walks involved, but it was one of those things where you just pitched innings. You didn't really care about the pitch count. So my dad's buddy hypothetically just started tallying it kind of like how prisoners mark it on the wall. And he's like, your son threw over 200 pitches in that game. If they would have found that out, if they would have found that out today, I think my dad would be in prison. Yeah, not great. That would be so, all over social media and people would lose their mind. They'd lose their mind. They would absolutely lose it. But that's how baseball was. I mean, not say, I'm not trying to be an old timer here because I think pitch counts are good. I know, call me crazy, but it was a different time back then. It was, it was. I mean, in little league, I guess it's not as. I mean, it, it's bad when you're a kid. No kid should be throwing that much. But no, absolutely not. I should. Not <laughs> there's no, there's no reason for me to throw like 200 pitches in that game. But well, I was going by we, an innings limit, not by pitch limit. So. Well, now we know why your arm is the way it is. <laughs> sure, that's um, Somehow, I, we've been pretty positive so far, and we're talking about pitch counts and everything. Somehow, though, since we last talked, uh, the Indians have been no-hit again by Wade Miley. So if you're scoring at home, that's that was two no-hitters in 31 days this year. Uh, they were the third team in baseball history to be no-hit in that, that short of a span. 
Uh, a lot of teams have been no-hit twice, just not that quickly. But Wade Miley? Really? Like, And, and Wade Miley struck out eight batters. So, you know, it wasn't like he – like Zach Plesak took his no-hitter in the eighth inning uh, against Seattle on Thursday. I think he had two or three strikeouts, which is even more rare. But So my thing with no-hitters, and there's been a lot so far this year, but like – when, or even no hitters that have been taken in late because there's even some been some, like last night and someone just missed one last week. Uh, what I'm seeing, and this is just common human psych, uh, but when no hitters go past like the sixth inning, uh, when you roll over that order on the third time, these guys just press like crazy. I mean, they're not going into counts. They're not swinging at good pitches. They're just literally like, I got to get the ball in play where someone is not. So this ends. And then the at-bats become horrible, and that's exactly how you get no hit. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There probably is something to that, especially when you do it a second time. Like, you've already had it happen to you not too long ago, and then, you get, like you said, you get to later in the game. Um, you start, you do start thinking about it. I mean, I, I, it, it's human nature. You absolutely do. There's nothing you can really do about it. I mean, you get, you get that late in the game, and plus – the lineup's got some young players and and some guys who aren't really established. So, you know, when you're when you're playing a Harold Ramirez or a Josh Naylor, um, Fran Mel Reyes is ending around that long. I mean, you know, things get and there are, and, and there are bats late in the game were terrible. Like I think they saw five pitches in the ninth inning. That's what, what I'm saying. Inning. That's it exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't. So. I mean, they didn't they didn't roll over, but they. Their approach just got worse because I think they were just trying to ambush him in the first pitch. Yeah. I mean, so hypothetically, it's definitely history books, and we'd be more excited if, uh, you know, Plesak would have thrown one last night. But guess what? Like, they still lost, so it's still just an L. So, yeah, it, it sucks. Two no-hitters in 31 days kind of stings. But guess what? No one's talking about it. Like, it's crazy. Uh, you know, no one's like, oh, did you see the Indians got no-hit twice in 31 days besides probably local media? So that's because they just lost the game. You move on. You've, Like I said before, you always remember the pitcher who threw it. You don't remember who the opponent was. So let's just move on from it. It sucks. Uh, maybe someone for the Indians can throw one one day here soon. But I, I don't see the big deal. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, like you said, the people in, in Cincinnati are going to talk about it, and the people in – it was a great story for Carlos Rodon when he did it to the Indians. But, yeah, I mean, as far as Cleveland's concerned, it's just another loss. And, and it's it, you know, it's almost the same thing now. People saying – I know people don't really like the strikeouts because it's not good for baseball, but the philosophy has been, like, you know, strikeouts, just another out. So who cares if we strike out? It? If you hit a ground ball, a shortstop or strikeout, you still – the results the same. So it's the same for the Indians where you get no hit and lose, you still lose. And the thing that overshadowed is Zach Plesak pitched a whale of a game. He, I think he struck, he re- retired 15 batters in a row at one point. Well, yeah. I mean, so the noticeable thing with Plesak last night was he wasn't pitching. The, I mean, he never does really because he's more of a lower strikeout total person. But you see those no hitters are the people who keep the ball low in the zone and are, are kind of forcing bad contact instead of just like striking a bunch of people out. Now, don't get me wrong. Strikeouts are awesome. Shane Bieber's really goddamn good. I didn't know if you knew that. Uh, but <laughs> no, so Zach Plezak, he was staying super low in the zone last night and his ball had good movement on it and it was in the strike zone. So everybody pounded it into 
to the ground. So he had like 11 at bats out of those first 15 that were like three pitches or less. And they were all ground balls. Like nothing was going out to the outfield. Even the hit against him before the home run wasn't great. I mean, it was almost catchable. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he was awesome last night and he seems to have found uh, more faith in that curveball he was talking about in his post game press conference. So uh, he's looked to see back to his old form. Yeah, he really is. He's overcome those two starts against the White Sox for sure, and he's settled in as the number two uh, starter in this rotation, which they absolutely need. Yeah, man. I, man we, we talked about that. Sorry to cut you off. We talked about this earlier, but, um, you know, Saval, uh, Saval has had a really, you know, pretty solid year too. If they can figure out four or five in, like, first base, like, this team has enough with the way the Major League Baseball landscape is to compete effectively. They, they really can. I mean, there are, there are some things they can do to get better. They're hanging around as it is, and, and there's still room for improvement. And, and not just, like, positions they can replace. Like, Eddie Rosario has not been very good for them this year no. so far. So if you get him going at some point, um, the offense gets much better. And like you said, there's other positions Another they can upgrade, reason. But- I don't if you pulled up Rosario's numbers and I'm not going to bash on him but like it's another whole reason to show like RBIs don't matter cuz I think Rosario is literally on pace for like 100 RBIs and I bet his weighted run creative plus isn't that great. No and and what stinks about that is that his uh expected stats are not that good either. He is he's hitting 213 and he is slugging um 344 and X stats has his batting average at 212 and his slugging X slug at 365. So he's he's literally not underperforming his metrics. If anything, he's pretty much right in line when the metric says he stinks. Um, he's got a 67 weighted runs created plus, but you're right, he has 20 RBIs. And I think that has him like that might have him like first on the team, if maybe second behind. It's second, it's, se- it's second on the team, and it's like thirty game, thirty four, thirty five games in. So if you average that out over one hundred sixty two game season, like yeah, dude's literally right now on pace for one hundred RBIs, and he hasn't been relatively good. Yeah, he's third behind Ramirez and Reyes, so he's driven in twenty runs. That's great, but yeah, he needs to get it going, and that'll help. But I mean, just, sorry to interrupt. I, I knew that. <laughs> uh, sorry to interrupt again, but like. How about that stat I sent you yesterday? And obviously things will change, but currently the way the pace is going with the five, six third baseman and the six, eight DH, we're on pace for almost a hundred home runs combined by those guys, the way they've been hitting so far. That's unbelievable. It's insane. I mean, you're looking at guys and the numbers change, hitters get figured out over the season, but the way that they're hitting the ball currently over a long span makes these both like 40, 50 home run guys. Now, if I would have told you, Justin, same thing we were talking about earlier, if I said, hey, both Reyes and Jose are both going for 40 this year, would you have believed me? Oh, yeah. Actually, I, I honestly would have, yeah. Really? You would have done 40 and 40. When's the, what's the last team that's had 40 and 40 on the same team? Two two players that 40 home runs? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the home run numbers aren't up for like – I mean, this isn't the late 90s. Like where you have back to back forty, you have one one really good guy, usually like a Pete Alonso, but like you don't have like both guys hitting 40, 45, 50 home runs. There's got to be somebody in the last several years who's had two players get close to forty. You you keep talking. I'll get on my I little app here and see where we can find. <laughs> that's gonna be a hard. That's gonna be a hard stack to no, find. I'm just gonna go uh, through the home run. I'm just gonna go through the home run totals and see the team names. Okay. Well. So after the Indians got no hit, they did come back with with some good offense. They 
somehow, I, I shouldn't say somehow, because he's been terrible this year. They, they beat around Luis Castillo again. He gave up four runs or six runs, four earned. That was a good game. You know, they came back after getting no hit and scored two in the first inning. Um, I don't know what's up with Luis Castillo, but he looks absolutely terrible this year. Yeah, man, he's – and that's crazy, man. I can't believe – same thing with um, the guy from the White Sox. Uh, Lucas Giolito looks terrible this year. Yeah, well, I don't know what happened to him, but – I mean, of course he's beating the Indians, but that's not going to change until the Indians figure out how to hit a changeup. But everybody else seems to have figured out how to hit him. Yeah, Lucas Giolito's ZRA right now is, is almost five, and his uh, fielding independent pitching is, is 4-14. So he's pitching – he's – He's getting maybe a little unlucky, but, man, yeah, it's so weird to see those two guys struggle. But, of course, the Indians can't hit Giolito, but they did hit Luis Castillo's to rebound in that one. Obviously, Sunday's game got canceled because of rain. Uh, you were talking about Savali. Savali won seven innings, lowered his ERA below three. Savali is not really missing a whole lot of bats. Uh, his strikeout rate, you know, he was not a guy who, who struck out a lot of batters to begin with, but his strikeout rate's even down from last year. Uh, and so is a swinging strike rate, but he's five and zero. As you know, for as much as you, anybody can care about pitcher wins, right? But right. Uh, so, first of all, I can't believe Mark Trumbo led in the league in home runs in 2016. It's mind blowing. But this this barely squeaks by it. Uh, but there, it only, it's only happened once in the last 12 seasons. Uh, 2015, Trout hit 41, and Pujols hit 40. Oh, back when Albert Pujols was a good baseball player. Okay. Yeah, so it's not. I, it's actually not of as common of a thing as you think. I think if I go through fourteen, thirteen, and all these numbers too, I think like this is more like a late nineties thing. Or, so what you're telling what you're what you're telling me is you basically have to have two Hall of Famers in your lineup to have two players hit forty home runs in the same. So uh, if you do the math, that means Framil Reyes and Jose Ramirez are qualified Hall of Famers if they both go for forty this year. Uh, you heard it here. For, you heard it here first. I mean. Jose Ramirez is definitely. I love I love doing that. That's those stupid numbers, and it's like, well, Kent State beat Ohio, and Ohio beat this school, and then Ohio and this school beat this school, and then Ohio State beat this school. That means Kent State's better than Alabama. I always love doing oh, those yeah, random numbers. Champion by proxy. So by by proxy, Jose Ramirez and Framo Reyes are going Jose, to yeah. By proxy, Jose Ramirez is uh, <laughs> better than Mike Trout. Agreed. Another guy who's. I don't. I, I guess he's not heading towards the Hall of Fame, but well, I'd say he'd be heading towards the Indians Hall of Fame. But who knows? He'll be on the Indians long to be in their Hall of Fame. Is Shane Bieber? Um, that's another conversation for another day, I guess, because there was a report this week about how the Indians apparently approached him with a contract offer in spring training, and they didn't get a deal done. But he won another game on Wednesday night. But he pitched six and two thirds innings. He threw 121 pitches Wednesday and. I know, I know you're you're. This is going to be interesting because you're a guy who doesn't really care about pitch counts a lot. But he threw 121 pitches on Thursday or Tuesday against the Cubs, and I feel like the only reason he went out there for the for the seventh inning was is, the eight strikeouts. Yeah, he needed he needed to keep his streak alive. He only had seven strikeouts, so he needed to to strike another batter out to keep his streak of eight strikeouts or more in a game alive. And I feel like that's the only reason he went back out there. I know he faced the next batter after that, but let's put it this way: as I'm definitely still a pitch count guy, I'm just not a, a cautious pitch count guy. I'm not the 65, 85 pitch count guy. Like I think you can definitely go up to the 105 to 120 range. Justin Verlander showed that time and time again. Um, 
I think with the way modern medicine is and the, like I graduated with physiology, like amazing how physical therapists and everything else are today. I think Shane Bieber will be fine literally throwing 15 extra pitches. I really do. Like it's, it's I don't think in the long term of his career's uh, sustainability that going from 100 to 120 is going to bother him because people have done it time and time again. Now I get I get that Tommy John has become more prevalent over the years, but that hasn't come from pitch count. That just comes from people really overextending themselves and literally like grunting like tennis players when they're pitching. I mean they're just going way too hard when you should like ease up on it a little bit or like your slider shouldn't have like 36 inches of depth to it and your elbow shouldn't snap in half when you're throwing a slider. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. It, it, you're right. 15 extra pitches in the long, in the scheme of things, he'll be fine. My worry is not so much if he's going to get hurt. My worry is by the end of the year, is he going to be burned out? Because look, he's got starts this year of 113, uh, 119 now 121. And so, you, so when the All Star break comes around, you skip a start, let him have 10 days of rest, and he's rejuvenated to go again. Yeah, that's fine if you can line up that way. That's perfectly fine. Well, he might be in the All Star game. So what if he has to pitch yeah. in the All Star game? So he pitches literally one inning over two weeks, and he's ready to go for the second half. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, that's fine. I just again, you're right. There's 15 extra pitches. Um, he threw 119 against the Yankees the other night against a couple weeks ago, late April. I didn't really have a problem with the 119 because it felt like most of those pitches he was throwing were not high stress. It wasn't until late in the game the Yankees tacked him for runs or it was getting base runners. This one, he had some base, you know, he had three walks, he had some base runners on throughout. And I, I worry more about pitch count when the guy is pitching and he's got traffic on and he's going out of the stretch. You know, it's, it's high stress innings. And again, if it was like, if it was July or September or August, and this was a critical game, I, I, I'm sorry, a Tuesday, um, a Tuesday in May. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not on board with pushing your ace at that point in May with a long season especially when you've had it, rotation issues in, in the back of your rotation. You know, I'm just – I think that was yeah, the I mean, wrong time it, to it was like – I'm not, I'm not th- disagreeing with you, but if it was like 136, 140, which never would happen anymore, but like if it was that, like I would even stand up out of my seat going, get this man out of here. Like we have to definitely be precautious, but 120, 115, 110 – I, I'm, I'm, it's like, that's like my line. Like one, the, what was that pitch count he had on two? It was a 121. That's like literally where my line is at. It was 121. Yeah. Yeah. That's like that, literally was, where my line is. If there was one more hitter in that game, like if the, he would have like had one more batter and he didn't get him out, I would have been on the whole, like pull this man immediately. And they pulled him sooner than, you know, like that. So, um, I think 120 is okay. Um, if it's five starts, it's fine. If he throws 120, over 35 starts, then yes, dude, I'm not, I won't disagree with you. I'm concerned, but we'll see. I bet she throws 96 pitches his next start. Yeah. You have to balance it out. I, like I said, I just think that in May it's a bit of an issue. And, and again, it's not about the pitches necessarily uh, without context. It's about what's going on during those pitches. And again, he had a lot of traffic. I, I mean, if, again, if he does not, if he does not have a lot of people on base when he's doing it, it's less stressful and that's fine. I also, I still think it would be better if he's doing this in July or August versus 
doing it on a random Tuesday in May. I know, you know, all games God, could count you imagine, same, but Could you imagine if he not only had a high pitch count, but stayed in the game and pinch hit and bunted. The, the, the what Twitter would have a gaslit fire on how baseball should not be played anymore. <laughs> right. I mean, not only can you not bunt, but you can't have a high pitch count. If he did both in the same game in an interleague game, I think uh, Tito would be fired immediately. Uh, the way Twitter acts sometimes. I agree. I mean, I don't think I disagree. That's pretty bad. That's a pretty bad way to go. <laughs> I, I would I would just be here for it because I love checking Twitter when it's in chaos. Uh, just you watch know. the destruction. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's my favorite part of Twitter. I think that's why we're all on there at some point. Um, but let's just call it an abnormality for now with a couple starts and then readdress it if it just keeps happening. I'm kind of worried that's where I'm at on it. Uh, I don't see it being an issue yet. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. If he burns out later in the year, people are definitely going to point back to some of these starts and, and ask, you know, should he have been a little bit easier on him than May? Well, I know, um, we, I know we can say that about, like, Shane Bieber, but we've noticed that before, not just, like, in starting pitching, but, like, we've mentioned this with the bullpens, like Brian Shaw having 89 appearances. Not sustainable. <laughs> well, it's funny you bring that up because I was just going to bring bring up the next topic. I was going to say, if you're not as worried about Bieber yet – are you worried that, uh, let's see, Emmanuel Classe has thrown 19 games, 17 innings. James Karajek has thrown 18 games, and Shaw has thrown 15. Um, Shaw at 15 is not in the top 30 of games pitched so far, but Karajek and Classe are both in the top 30 in games pitched. Oh, buddy, I'll tell you what. <laughs> when we, If we're still in it in August and, and September, it could be like a five-run lead and be like, why is Brian Shaw out there? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Think, man. You, know, you know the craziest part is I'm like halfway joking, but it's also serious. So, but, okay, you're, you're, you're not as concerned with pitch counts for starters – but you're worried about overuse of relievers. Tell me their how arms are their good. arms are conditioned completely differently, like completely differently. Like going from 105 to 120 isn't huge when your arm is conditioned to do something like that. When you're conditioned to throw 20 pitches two days a week, and then you're doing it four days a week, you just run out of gas. And I can literally point to. Andrew Miller, Cody Allen, and old Brian Shaw for that exactly happening because they all threw like 70 appearances for two or three straight years. Yeah. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. I still think that – I think the – look at Corey Kluber. I mean, I know Corey Kluber had a fluke injury where the ball got lined off his arm and then he had a, a terrorist major pull last year. Those are kind of kind of fluky, but that's why at least the, the line drive was. But, I mean, same thing with him. And he's looking better lately, but – you know, he broke down over time. I think you I can really say about do, any pitcher. I really do want the Yankees to have a terrible year, but Corey Kluber to have like a halfway decent year. Because people are like, oh, could you imagine if Corey Kluber had a good year with the Yankees? Oh, so what? Like, yeah, I, I like Corey Kluber as a person. What if he has a good comeback year? That's awesome. Like, uh, do I want the Yankees to win? Absolutely not. But do I want Corey <laughs> Kluber to succeed? Absolutely. I don't understand the correlation between the two. Unless he's pitching against us. Then I don't care. Yeah, I agree. But I think I think over time his arm broke down too from overuse. I think it's just a different path of getting there, and everyone's everyone's I mean, a little bit different. So my whole thing with pitching too, and I've always been on this side of the fence. I wrote a paper about this in college, but like I've always been on the fences with 
the difference between they say, well, the pitch counts have gone down, which has led to less arm injuries. These guys not only throw way harder, but they put way more stress on their arms. There is a whole there is a whole Twitter account specifically set up for how hard and how nasty some of these guys' stuff is, and it's really fun to watch. Like Pitching Ninja is my favorite account. At the same time, mm-hmm. this torques the crap out of their arms. Like they're torquing. I mean, like Taylor. I don't even know what Taylor Rogers is doing out there in San Francisco. I don't know what that sorcery is he's doing from Harry Potter, but whatever he's throwing with that curveball, uh, Chad Bradford style. Like I, I don't know if that could be sustainable for his arm, but that's what we're running into. I mean, I I told you this was like four years ago. I said Mike Clevenger won't sustain success because he has so much movement in his delivery. He hasn't like pitched since. It felt like. He had that back injury. He had that back injury. Then he had arm issues. And he said a second Tommy John. And these are guys who are like literally putting so much emphasis in every pitch when it's not really the difference between 100 and 120 pitches. It's the difference between their delivery and their motion and how hard they're throwing is way too loud. That's true. I will say with Bieber, his motion's pretty – Pretty calm. Yeah, it's pretty calm, pretty clean, and – He's not overexerting himself very often. So I guess, I mean, I think Karen Shack and, and Class A and, and Shaw to an extent are, but you can say that about most relievers, and that's why they're relievers, because their delivery is too violent or too um, effortful. Violence to be a violent, that's where I, that's that's a really good word. Violent is no lie, violent is the way a lot of pitchers throw these days. Uh, I don't think you could actually go back in baseball a handful like when like Clemens and all those guys were pitching and actually hear these pitchers like grunting like in tennis, like the you do see today. Like, uh, you know, they, I've watched a game where Trevor Bauer was uh, mic'd up and he was just literally grunting every mm-hmm. pitch. I mean, loud. I mean, he was putting everything he had behind every one of those pitches. Well, yeah, he's six foot a buck 80. So if he doesn't, he's not going to throw 95 like he does. Right. So. And he, but he but he trains his body to do that, like you said. He's conditioned to do that, and maybe well, now maybe 20, or still like years ago he doesn't. I mean, it, but. that's still definitely for now. Like Trevor Bauer is still decently younger. Like some of these guys, the reason they could pitch to two three hundred wins into like their late thirties, early forties is the exact reason I'm saying is their motion was very quiet. Your body's going to break down, and you can't have that leg kick Mike Clevenger has when you're thirty seven years old. It's not going to happen. Right. I mean, Corey Kluber had a pretty simple motion too. He he still broke down. He had a, he had a but like, once again, I mean, he took a liner off the hand or the forearm. Yeah, and then he had the terrorist major issue, which I guess that's kind of fluky, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a very rare injury. Yeah. Well, are, so are you? You're not concerned about Beaver, but are are you concerned? I mean, obviously, Class A. The last couple of times I am out, the been biggest. I am the biggest Tito supporter you will see. I think teams will always be above 500 just simply by him being a manager. But uh, the one thing that concerns me more than anything else, compared to people that complain about bunting and everything else, I think he overdoes his bullpen. You will have like four or five guys who get like 30 or 40 appearances, and then his back end three or four guys end up with like 60 to 80 appearances, and it's not really balanced very well. And I know we always got to say these guys got to pitch in competitive situations, but there's been nights where we will text and be like, wow, this guy's coming out here for a third night in a row. Uh, so then that, well, that, adds- was, that was Thursday. That was Vino yeah. Classe. It was his first. Yeah. That, I, I want to say in his, he's only been in the league for, I guess, a total of a 
three quarters of a year because he was only in the league half the year in 2019, and then it's only been a quarter of the year this year. But now I think that was the first time in his his major league career that was he was pitching third night in a row. And that adds up over time. So, and he's he's been. I mean, he's done that entire his entire managerial career. So, I just i I definitely expect it again. And I understand he's starting to use uh, advanced statistics a lot more than he used to. He even said, said it in it, like interviews. But like uh, relievers, pitchers just aren't built that way. They're just not. They're not. Built. They're two different things, man. It is like the difference between like a pony and like a Kentucky Derby racehorse like these one's meant for endurance and one's meant for a petting zoo man like that you really don't have the availability to throw these guys 80 innings you just don't uh so they should be throwing they should, i mean i'm more on like 60 to set i think 70 is high and i'm more on like the 60 inning mark and the thing is is if you allow some of these lower end pitchers to pitch in tight games you might not get the outcome you want but you might be able to rely on them more Later in the season, when a game's close, you're like, oh, well, shit, I know Wickren can actually get these three outs in the ninth inning if I have to. They don't know that because they never do it. They've done it once this year. Yeah, and then he struggled for a little bit after that, and now he's been relegated to the B team. I mean, I was I was talking to this on Twitter the other day. I said the A, the a team in the bullpen is literally Shaw, Karen Chet, Class A, and everybody else is a B team, including Quantrill, including Maton, including. I think the last time I think the last time Phil Maton pitched was like February seventh. <laughs> that was my birthday. Good. It was, it was fun to see him pitch that day. Uh, I mean, Trevor Steffen hasn't pitched in the whole month of May. It is. He's on the team. Trevor Steffen is still traveling with the team. He still exists. He has not okay. pitched this month. God, I want I want that damn paycheck. Just travel with the team and not pitch. Jesus. Play catch. Right. Yeah, play right. catch, catch fly balls, make 500K yeah, sh- a year. Shaking flies, throwing bullpens, and just eating sunflower seeds. I mean, he's got he's the rookie of the bullpen, so he's got to carry the backpack to the bullpen of snacks. So, like, dude, if you're telling me I'm making, <laughs> you're telling me I'm making twenty five thousand dollars every two weeks, you could literally throw me out there in a dress. I mean, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. He's got he's got one of the best jobs on, on the team right now. Uh, but like you said, that's a byproduct of the team winning that he hasn't pitched much. But maybe they need. I mean, he, a couple times he did pitch. He has struggled the last couple times out. Um, I will say that. But they're not going to throw him in games where they're winning. Like you said, they're winning a lot. So what's the, what's, what's the date 15. today? Is it May fifteenth? It's 14th? May fourteenth. Phil Maton has thrown three times in May. Right. And Class A threw three times in the last three days. That's my whole point. That's literally my entire point. I, I don't know. What, I don't know what happened because I feel like last year he had. Well, I guess I, Francona was not running the team last year, but I feel like I feel like they relied a lot upon Maton a lot last year, and he had some good days and some bad days. I'm I'm just surprised to see him relegated to being that sixth inning when we're losing mop up guy. They haven't even like given him a chance, and that, that's kind of your point. You're saying they haven't given other guys a chance, and that is the problem. I just. It's it's twofold. It's it's okay. You've got so Shane. between so between Phil Maton, Nick Whitgren, and Trevor Steffen, three eighths of your bullpen, they have thrown a, a total of eight appearances this month. Eight, eight appearances. That's just and not the other any. That's combined that's, to what twenty? Yeah, and Brian Shaw, Karen Check, and Klasse have thrown a combined twenty. Hold on, thirty-three plus nineteen. Fifty-two times this year so far. Oh, that's good. 
So you're literally, yeah, I mean, these guys have all probably thrown anywhere between seven and ten times this month already, it feels like. So that's my, I mean, and uh, trust me, at the same time, it makes sense because a lot of these games are tight because the Indians can't hit. But this is my whole point. At the same time, you got to trust other relievers or you're just going to get burnt out and you're going to have to trust them anyways. Right. Well, it's going to happen either sooner or later. You're right. One way or the other. And I'm sure Class A is not pitching Friday because he's pitched three days in a row now. If he pitches, uh, if he pitches, to, if he pitches today, no, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm on Twitter saying Tito, what the hell are you doing? I I don't think I don't think he never even had Andrew Miller or Cody Allen do four days in a row. So I'd be stunned to see him do it tonight, Friday, if after three days in a row. But Karen Shack is probably off tonight too because he's, I think he's thrown back to back games. Yeah, he threw on Thursday and then no, he didn't throw last night. So Karen Shack's available. Uh, Shaw pitched in both games. Shaw pitched on, although he won't hesitate to use Shaw three days in a row because we know that he'll. If if he's going to throw anybody four days in a row, it's Brian Shaw. Let's be honest, yeah. <laughs> Brian Shaw. <laughs> the Indians. If the Indians, I'm surprised. Well, they were bludgeoning the crap out of teams in the 22 game winning streak. Yeah. So <laughs> the Indians. So for well, not even using the two middle pitchers, I could use Quantrill and everything else. But th- we'll do three bottom pitchers versus three top. Their three top releasers have thrown 19 times in May. The other guys have thrown eight. You got to be somewhere more near the middle, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't think you're wrong. I just look. Yeah, there's been games this week where he's put Class A and Karen check out there with a four run lead, and you could easily. I mean, I guess I guess the argument is okay. He doesn't want to put somebody else out there and let that four run lead go to a two run lead, and then he's got to go to these guys anyway. And then you've burned out the whole. Then you've burned out the guys that you really don't want to use, and you've also burned out the guys that are your horses out there. So I guess you're looking at it as okay, if it's a four run game. You just throw the bottom guys again the next day. You have to put faith in them. If you don't put faith in them, then you're not meant to be a good baseball team. You have to re- like this right. is the I understand like Dan Otero was the first guy out of the bullpen, but they also trusted Dan Otero. Like you right. have to trust those guys. And like Nick Sandlin's gonna be an awesome fourth option. But like these other four guys, I mean, they've had their minor bits of flaw in the season, but they can definitely work out of it because it's only been seven, eight appearances for all of them. And how about that? Brian or Nick, you mentioned Nick Sandlin. Nick Sandlin came out of the bullpen behind Sam Henches on Thursday, on Wednesday and had some runners on. He got a double play and he had a couple hit a strikeout. I know he eventually allowed a run, but um, I feel like, I feel like Nick Whitgren is going to pitch his way into Tito's circle of trust in the bullpens. I think, I think Nick Sandlin by the All-Star break is going to be the fourth guy in that circle of trust. I don't even know it's going to be by the All-Star break. I think it's going to be in two weeks. It, it might be. You're right. It might be. Um, but I feel like he's going to be that guy. And this is this is the guy, like you said, they need to trust somebody. And I feel like he's going to earn that trust. It's amazing that, okay, Nick Whitgren will get back there eventually. He had a couple of hiccups, but he's been good since he came back uh, from paternity leave. I really don't know what's going on with Phil Maton at this point. Cal Quantrill seems to only exist when um, – well, they seem to have Quantrill pitch well, well, on the days yeah. McKenzie and and um, McKenzie and, and Hentges pitch because they're worried about um, those guys not going long enough, so they want to hold on to Quantrill pitching those games to give them some sa- a safety net. But I, I think That's Samlin fun. very quickly is going to wind up being that fourth guy and gives you the option – to give a Brian Shaw the night off, to give a maybe not well, I don't know. Karen Check is the best pitcher in that bullpen, but having a fourth option gives you the chance to at least give a guy the night off, and I think that will be 
McSamlin sooner than later. Absolutely. I always think it's amazing. We went from in two months from Cal Quantrill being everybody's dark horse, amazing starter candidate mm-hmm. and being mop up duty. That, yeah. I mean, that's the way it went. He was, he was not good in spring training for whatever that's worth, but his first strikes of the year weren't good. Yeah. He had a hard time throwing strikes and again, I think the pro also that he's a product of the fact that the back of the rotation is young and doesn't get deep into games. Mackenzie and Hentges both have our, have a hard time getting into the fifth. Well, I guess I can't say about Hentges yet because he only made one actual start, but he did, he did get into the fifth, but Mackenzie's had a couple of short starts too. So Cal Quantrill literally exists just to give them cover for those guys. And he's been better lately. Um, but yeah, Hent- it's, almost, Hent- it's almost like he can't use them. He can't use Quantrill in a normal role. No. Because he, he needs them to cover for the back the back of the rotation yep. because he knows they might struggle. Yeah, um, and that's that's definitely true. Um, Henches, I mean, he got pulled with pitches probably left in his arm. Um, but, I mean, he walked four in that game. But he also, I mean, he was definitely messing with those Cubs hitters a little bit. They, did, I mean, he was effective. He wasn't great. Like, he definitely is not like, oh, I think he's going to be a two-starter or one-starter. But, like, if you're telling me he could be a fifth starter with some fine-tuning, I understand that you're not the highest support on him. But he was effective in that game. I watched that entire game. He was fine. You know, he danced out of trouble quite a bit. And and I did say on Twitter well, that parties do though. They do. And then but again, that's something he he that's new for him. And and I, when I saw him in Akron in twenty nineteen, when runners got on and he things started to get a little bit dicey, he I don't want to say he fell apart, but he had a hard time, you know, reining things back in. And usually by the fifth inning in, in Akron, if if um, if he had two runners on or somebody made an error or two runs were in, that was kind of it. Like the wheels just came off and he never recovered. And that's the one thing against the Cubs he did is things started to get a little bit hairy and he seemed to stop things from rolling, spinning out of control. And that's an improvement that's, for him. And that's, something, and that's something Logan Allen has has never not done. done at all. No, he's not making it into the second inning and like, I'm guessing Hentges had probably still had some left in the tank to finish off five innings. I mean, he went four and a third of like 80 pitches or 70 pitches. He could have gone five. Maybe. I'm gonna, I mean, it was an okay start. You know, the, the Cubs. I'll take it. Yeah, it's, I mean, okay, he's been better. He That was a better start than anything Logan Allen gave you, and it was better than his first couple outings of Hentges, and then obviously it wasn't as bad as McKenzie's worst outing, but. You know the cub. The Cubs went fishing for a couple curveballs. He didn't have to throw it for strikes. They they swung and missed. The fastball didn't get a lot of swings and misses either. Um, but again, Once, yeah, right. It, I mean, it was with, better. I think we're splitting here pairs here. I mean, with the Indians, but it's also cool with like the Indians. Is they've had so many good pitchers. Is we always dive deep into it. Zach Plesac's not a humongous swing and miss guy. Not a high strikeout person. I don't think. I mean, I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be anything. But he has. But he has solid. plus command. But that's the difference. Sam Hentges has below average command, and Zach Plesak has above average command. Once we're again, talking about a we're whole... talking the difference between, but we're still just talking the difference between a two starter and a five starter. And if you're telling me, let, let's say Hentges goes like five innings, two runs, four walks, five strikeouts, but the Indians are in the game. I mean, most teams like I could tell you right now, the Colorado Rockies would take Sam Hentges. Like they, oh, I mean, they're sure. Team. That's what I mean, man. And it's like if you're getting that out of your five starter, that's better than what you got right now because who else are you throwing out there? Well, it's better than they have because your your alternative is is Logan Allen, who Logan Allen had, a, had another rough start in Columbus the other day. Um, 
Giancarlos Mejia, who has two games above double A, and they're both this year. And then you have Scott Moss, who's making his second start Friday. So, yeah, the options really aren't there. But the thing is, all those guys had the same amount of experience. Scott Moss is the most experienced because he pitched in triple A before this year. So, but I, I don't think he's any better than Sam uh, and obviously they're different pitchers, but are you going to see a different, a humongous different stat line between Scott Moss and Henches? You're probably no, not. not at all. Scott Moss doesn't has the same amount of command and has a little bit less of a fastball. So you're absolutely right; it's the same thing. Uh, you're going to see you're going to see those guys at some point this year, I would assume, regardless, just as you don't make it through the year with six starters and they're on their sixth starter. But we'll see. I mean, he's at least earned another start, and we'll see how things go from there. Um, so call, yeah, up, would, uh, call up the other Logan Allen. You, you could. I, I, that guy, man. This is not the Farm Report podcast, but. Who cares? Uh, I know my minor league baseball. <laughs> I know. I'm just, man, watching his first start, it was incredible. I think I think Logan Allen could be in double A right now. Um, he's only reason he's in Lake County or is because it's, it's his pro debut. Yeah, and he, seems, have, he seems – he seems like one of the high riser type of pitchers. Uh, he's a yeah, pitcher, I, he's a professional pitcher at his age. I think I think Logan Allen, well, the new Logan Allen, I think Tanner Burns could both be ready to pitch in Cleveland by next year. That's how advanced they are, just because of their control and their stuff. Yep, agreed. I would not be surprised at all. Um, so who knows? Maybe Sam Hentges is the fifth starter this year. Next year he's a reliever. I don't know. Um, so we think Nick Sandlin is is warming his way into. Terry Francona's heart. Maybe he'll play some cribbage with him. Um, that's a good way to get into Terry Francona's good side, apparently. And then last night, you had Zach Plesak take a, a no-hitter into the eighth inning. That was fun to watch, even if it was 12 o'clock at night and I had just gotten back from a nine-inning game from Classic Park. Dang, dude, your man. life really sucks, man. That really sucks. I got, yeah, I got home in time to watch. <laughs> Plesak could take a no-hitter in the eighth inning. And I got to watch the debut of Jared Kelnick and Logan Gilbert, and they were yeah. after after going to another baseball game. You really got it right. I know it's the worst. It's the worst, <laughs> <laughs> absolute worst. But man, he was good last night. Class A was not good. Um, early good offense. How about Jake Bowers? Another base RBI base hit last night for Emil Reyes. Has got it going. He, he stinks. Um, sorry, sorry. I'm <laughs> trying to be more positive. He still stinks. Yeah, I guess the thing is, Jake Bowers is still not going anywhere. Like he's been better lately. He literally did. He somehow had that one week where he went five for twelve, and it it is it has moved him to the low two hundreds, and he's going to find a way to be here till July. He probably will. The question I have is, I, I got to look and see what the last game Yu Chang played was because I feel like I haven't I haven't seen Yu Chang in a while. Like, when's the last time you you saw him play? I know he came in. I know he came in over the weekend against um, what was it Cincinnati when they were up nine to two. He came as a defensive replacement just because they wanted to get Jose Ramirez off his feet. That was literally so he came in in the eighth inning of that game. The last the last time Yu Chang started a game was May first against the White Sox. He he played the full game. Yeah, well, That's he's the also, last his, time his OPS is three ninety two. So I mean, I yeah, of course yeah, he's on the bench. I. I think it's time. You know what? If they're going to hang on to Jake Bowers, we know he's going to hang on. They're going to hang on to Jake Bowers and continue to keep him. Um, we'll see what's going on. You know, see what they can get out of him at this point. But I think I don't. I don't know if it's going to be May. It might as well be May. If you're not going to play the guy, just screw it. But Owen Miller, 
I'm not going to keep, you know, I'm not going to add any more to the hype because it's already crazy. But the guy's got four three-hit games in Akron already, or Akron, in Columbus. And he's played some first base. He's playing third base tonight. I think I think Yu Chang needs to be sent out for Owen Miller. Owen Miller is ready. Ding, ding, uh, ding, ding, ding. And he can play. He can play. He can probably play first base as good as Chang. He just hasn't. Like I know Chang got like what four starts in spring training at, at first base. I think Owen Miller has like two starts there. I think yeah. he'll be just as good, and he can also play every position on the infield just like Yu Chang can. And frankly, I, I, I know I know they're counting so much on Jose Ramirez's offense, and um, they're counting on. Cesar Hernandez, and there's no reason to spell Cesar Hernandez because he's kicking butt. He's got over a 900 OPS in the month of May. Even his um, outs are good. Oh yeah, and I, I looked. I saw today because uh, one of the guys who works for Major League Baseball on, on the Baseball Savant page, he tweeted something, and I clicked the link. And Cesar Hernandez is second on the Indians, and he's 30th in baseball in barrels per plate appearance at, at just under at over seven plate appearances per. Or, a barrel every seven plate appearances. That's great. And that guy was – his numbers were terrible in the month of April. So that just tells you how unlucky he was getting, and now it's starting to finally reverse it. I guess the Indians – what I'm saying is the Indians really regret signing Cesar Hernandez, don't they? No. He's good at baseball. He won a gold glove last uh, year. But um, look, you, you, if you bring Owen Miller up, you can – like, if you don't – if you you put him in first base against – Right-handers the way or left-handers the way you've been doing with Yu Chang, even though that they they prefer to move Naylor to first base against left-handers at this point. Um, but you can give your shortstop a day off because Andres Jimenez is not giving you much, and wow. Ahmed Rosario is in center field uh, the other half of the time. Rosario, you can literally get Owen Miller two or three games a week between shortstop and first base. Yeah, Rosario's been starting to hit a little bit. Um, I think he'll start getting some more playing time at shortstop if Jimenez hasn't figured out how to be at the major league level yet. So Owen Miller could really just float around the diamond. Um, I mean, Chang would be the first option to ax at his spot and do the platoon. Uh, but then, I mean, if Owen Hill- Miller just continues to hit like he has his whole career, just have a professional approach, that professional approach is just going to cut in, honestly, into Jacob Bowers' playing time. Like, yeah, Jake Bowers has stole a couple of hits here and there, and he's hitting 200 now, but, like, it's 200 with a homer and four RBIs and probably a very low weighted runs created plus. So it doesn't mean he just has a job security at first base because he started to do something finally. I think Owen Miller's a better baseball player than Jake Bowers. Probably. You're right. You know, if he plays, his approach is better than Jake Bowers. I mean, even with Jake Bowers doing what he's doing now, he's still, I mean, I don't know if anybody else has been watching him. He still just flails at terrible pitches. Yeah. He's, he just seems like he's, he gets caught off guard all the time. Like all the time. Again, he has been better lately, but I think you're right. Like sometimes, he goes up there and he takes a fastball in the middle because he's not looking for that pitch or he's not expecting it to be in that that count. And, and look, hitting's hard and pitchers are better than hitters right now. We yeah, see Jake offense Bowers down. The, Jake Bowers is a better athlete, a better person, a better baseball player than I ever could imagine to be. And if he went and faced me in softball, he'd probably crank me 500 feet. But he's not a major <laughs> league baseball player. Right, right. So, yeah, Owen, oh, I think Owen Miller's time is soon. I don't know if it's going to be – in the month of May, but maybe June, maybe the end, maybe next, maybe it could be sometime in the next two weeks. So maybe Memorial Day or maybe shortly thereafter. 
but I don't think it'll be at the expense of Yu Chang or uh, of Jake Bowers. I think you'll see Owen Miller. It, al- it, it almost has to happen. Like I said, Yu Chang has not started a game uh, since the first oh, week yeah. of May. I, I agree. I agree. I think they're going to get two weeks in the minors with Owen Miller here, two, three weeks, mm-hmm. and then you'll see him called up. Um, but after the whole rambling, I'm still just – I mean, I know he's still gaining himself some time. I just don't see game 162 Bowers is still starting at first base. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe maybe I look like a fool. Maybe I make a bet on it. But uh, No, you're probably I, right. I think you're right. I just don't, I just don't see it, man. Like, <laughs> Gosh. Well, yeah, it, it looks like it's going to be Owen Miller because uh, it's not like Nolan Jones and Bobby Bradley are tearing it up in the minors just yet. No, and like not. I said before – the Indians prefer to promote prospects when they're playing well, and Owen Miller is the hottest hitting prospect, not named Jan Kenzie Noel in the minors right now. So, right, um, get him up while you can. Um, let's let's wrap it up with this. Uh, Detroit sucks. We know Detroit; they're just terrible. Uh, <laughs> That's not <laughs> I don't, I don't going with it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap it up. I just want to wrap this podcast. Hey, up hey just so you guys know, Detroit sucks. City sucks. Team sucks. Hockey sucks. <laughs> Talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Um, <laughs> Detroit is out of sight, out of mind. Uh, the twins. Oh, my gosh, so man. What, I don't. I don't know what idiot picked the Twins to go to the World Series, but they are. They are uh, eleven games below five hundred. They're ten games out. They're almost in last place. The Tigers. The Royals lost 11 in a row after the Indians, after Angel Hernandez, like, cost half their team to pay fines and get ejected. They completely lost their marbles after that. Um, Looks like they're going to win today, so they're going to beat the White Sox on Thursday, which is good for the Indians because if they win tonight, that vaults them back into first place. Um, They're playing a doubleheader today. They are playing a doubleheader. So is is that game one they're about to win? The game one's over. They won 6-2. Okay, so they won game one. Giolito we'll lost again, gave up five runs in the oh, first gosh. inning. Did you, innings, the colli- did you see six, the collision? I did not, but six innings, five hits, five runs, four walks, seven strikeouts, two home runs, five ERA. The guy's just lost huh. it. Man. Huh. Maybe he threw too many pitches in a game. <laughs> no? I'm okay. looking at it right I don't, now. I don't know it. He's pitched a lot, a lot against the Indians. I feel like every time he faces the Indians, he throws like. Oh, Jesus! Oh, sorry to do that. I forgot I was on a podcast here. Oh my gosh! Was did that... you watch the collision? Oh my lanta! <laughs> yeah, not good. Uh, I think I think um, one of them who I forget who came off the field, but I think they said a Brady was wobbly on his feet, so I think he might have had a concussion. Who knows? But. Yeah, that was I not hope, good. It, oh, I just like I, I mean, that actually made me scared for a second. Like Hunter Dozier was holding his neck. Yeah, that was a full-on football tackle they, that happened right there. That was like a linebacker versus a running back. And those are both – and I, it, this is for more people that aren't like AL Central, like if there are fans from other teams that watch this. Those are two humongous dudes. They are not small. Yeah, They are huge dudes. I mean, that's like yeah, that's 240 scary. and 230 running into each other. So – yeah, so I hope they're okay, you know, just for the sake of their own health because that was scary. But, um, boy, with the White, if the White Sox lose Jose Abreu for any length of time, man, that's Luis Robert, that's Eloy Jimenez, and maybe maybe Jose Abreu. Their lineup yeah. gets really dicey after that. Um, they still got oh, Adam Eaton, I what you're saying. Oh, yeah, they got <laughs> Adam Eaton, the, the spark that lights the fire for all baseball. Well, lights the fire. He's hitting 209 with a 600 OPS. Ugh. 
I liked him at one time as a player, but no, I, I just can't do it anymore. Um, he might as well be a Royal. I can't stand the Royals. He might as well be on their team. But is, is the AL... you, you never mentioned this on the podcast. Can we talk about this now? You're just a rational hate for Whit Merrifield. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I, I've never. I have never been a big Whit Merrifield fan. I, 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 I admittedly, okay, admittedly, when he came up, and he he's been a good player. When he came up, I thought for sure what he was doing was was not going to last. I thought for sure this dude's flash in the pan. He's not a good player. It's just luck. Um, when I tell, when I tell, obviously I was single, wrong. When I tell you, every single one of you guys, when Justin texts me when he's upset, sixty-five percent of the time it's usually about Whit Merrifield. <laughs> <laughs> he, he cannot stand that gentleman. We, I told him that we should have traded for him when he was available with the Royals when we were still good a couple years ago, and he said absolutely not. <laughs> I just never thought the guy was that good of a player. Uh, he's he's been a nice player in his career, but yeah, three hundred three thousand uh, at bats. He's two ninety five. You could ask most of my friends. Uh, I, I any any Royal. I'm not I'm not a big fan of the Kansas City Royals. I usually, whatever reason, the players in their team the last like I don't know eight or nine years have really just annoyed the crap out of me from from Eric Cosmer to to Whit Merrifield. It's just been I don't know. It's been a thing. That's, that was that's, that was that was me with. Not even the twins, but twins fans—they're pretty obnoxious on Twitter. And I try—I don't—I don't really attack other fan bases, but like when I'm seeing like the Indians account and I check like their their replies, and it's just littered with twins fans. I'm like, what are you guys doing here? Like, don't you have anything better to do? <laughs> well, they don't now because they're in—they're about to be in last place with the well, Titans. You, so. I mean, you uh, nah, twins fans will probably be sending you a very worded uh, email because you put the jinx on them bad, man. I sure did, didn't I, man? That was a good Ooh. pick by me. That was that's what I was thinking the whole time is I'll pick the Twins to go to the World Series and they'll probably finish in last place. That that was my oh, play. Out. They, they're like, bet we won't finish in last place. We'll have the worst record in baseball. Take that. <laughs> hey, next year's draft might be really good. So good for them. Uh, but seriously, is is the AL Central? It's not even Memorial Day, so I'm not going to look at standings. But you know, I, I didn't think the Royals were as good as they were during that stretch. They have a lot of young pitchers as well. Um, the twins. I don't. I don't know if the twins can get. I mean, burying yourself in that kind of hole is tough to get out of. Do you think the AL Central right now is a two-team race, or do you think that it will? Hundred yeah, percent. It will be back. Hundred really? percent. Twins. Twins uh, just dug themselves too deep of a hole. They don't have pitching. The Tigers yeah. are awful. The Royals are not as good as advertised after losing eleven straight. They're more of a five hundred ball club. Uh, so you do have White Sox Indians. If the injuries end up biting the White Sox, this will be just end up being a two-team race. Very similar, just like Indian Swins for the last couple of years. Um, I've always, and I said this in the, our our preview podcast, the Indians will always compete in one or two, or maybe even the third spot, always as long as Tito is the manager. It doesn't matter how like their roster is nowhere near some of the rosters they've had in the last couple of years, but they're still competing because well, it's crazy. Tito's a good manager, gets the best out of like subpar talent, which he does all the time. So he's an effective he sure man. Does. He's an effective manager. There's things that we don't like that he does. All people are like that. But, I mean, you could definitely also have, like, Tony La Russa instead. Oh, man. We talked about that last week. How you didn't know that rule about Liam Hendricks being on second base. We talked about that before, didn't we? Who's the Tigers Tigers manager sucks right now? AJ Uh, AJ Hinch, yeah. Yeah, I can't stand him. Yeah. So, could be worse. Could be worse. Could be Maniacta. I uh, I 
I have erased those years from my memory. They, I, I couldn't even like give you specifics about most of that at this point because I've erased those years from my memory. It was so. Um, it was so was bad. it? Uh, uh, let's just say a Cleveland personality. You know, you got to be really bad at your baseball takes for a former fired Indians manager to tweet you, and then him could be completely right. <laughs> You be you him be completely right and you be completely wrong and look like an idiot. Like if Manny Acta is making you look dumb on Twitter, just delete your Twitter account and uh, just like holy shit, man. <laughs> uh, I'm not I'm not even gonna go, I'm not even gonna give you my opinion on that because that could be a whole other thing and I don't want to get in trouble for that. Um, I'm not. I mean, none of these people know me personally because I haven't been <laughs> right. for ten years, so I'll say whatever I want. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, Manny Acta owned you. So if you were listening to this or you find out about this, sorry, man. Better luck next time. <laughs> Better luck next time for sure. Oh <laughs> uh, well, okay. The last time. Oh, real quick, you were just we were talking about how Cleveland's, you know, competing for the division right now. And as we mentioned before, this is without Eddie Rosario playing well. They could stand to upgrade first base, whether that's Owen Miller, uh, Bobby Bradley, or Nolan Jones, even if those guys aren't really good. Um, you know, they can't be any worse than what Jake Bowers and Yu Chang have given them. Catcher is going to be a rough spot offensively for a while, but I think we knew that going in. You know, I, I thought Roberto Perez could hit better than he did last year, but turns out, well, he was hurt. Had the, had the broken uh, finger, but now that you've got Austin Hedges and, and Rene Rivera for the next yeah, two I know months. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man, it's catcher's rough. Uh, it's a zero. You're getting a zero out of that spot in the lineup. You just, you're you're good. just Honestly, you're you're good. I mean, I know we've had the, the hype, couple hypothetical base hits. You're getting a zero out of first base and catcher, which is not ideal in baseball. Absolutely just right. not. Um, and I was very much on the train, and I, we mentioned this in the preview, because I said who was going to have the bad season. I put down Roberto Perez. I was basically going off, like, not only his second half from 19, but then his 2020 season and his 21, 20, 2021 season. I think it was, like, his last 400 at-bats I was talking about in his group chat. Like, dude was hitting, like, a buck 67 his last 400 ABs. And just – you got to be at least the, at the Mendoza line, man. Like, you it, get that on-base percentage up a little bit. He had, like – 13 K's in his last 22 at bats. He wasn't even making contact. So, and I understand he's hurt now. I'm not trying to disparage the guy because his defense is top five in this league, but he's not hitting like first half season 2019 Roberto Perez or even half of that at this point. Yeah. I still think he's a, a solid hitter. I mean, he had a good 2019 when he was healthy. I'm not saying he he's a good that first good, half of 2019. Right, and but again, he had the he had the uh, the bone spurs or, or you know, the spurs in his ankle. He had an issue with the ankle. He had surgery on. I'm still willing to give him credit for uh, what he did in the first half and, and chalk some up to injuries. He was hurt all last year. He was hurt again now. I'm not saying he's as good as he was in the first half of 2019, but I, he's obviously better than he was. But we'll see what happens when he gets back. But he's yeah, also next- but he's also injured three years in a row. You can't rely on him to hit. Well, they're not. That's the thing. They're really not. But also, he you want him for your de- his defense. Who cares about? I mean, I know you don't want to complete zero from that spot in the lineup, but I mean, they're getting. I mean, so when they were getting when you go when you go one for twenty two with thirteen Ks, you're getting a negative out of that spot. Yeah, I mean, but you have to factor in the defense. They're fine with the defense, and Austin Hedges is a good defender. I'm fine with the defense too. I'm never gonna. But the, my thing with Austin Hedges, like, and Austin Hedges is also. 
because I know this is crazy. I don't want to break anybody's heart here. Not a good hitter, uh, but he's like top five in the league. He's like top five in the league in framing every year. So he's a good defensive catcher. So I think that's the way the Indians go. They're like, we're going to get defense out of both these catchers, and we're never going to get a base hit out of them. Right. So first base is kind of an empty spot. Catcher's kind of an empty spot. Eddie Rosario is not playing great. Um, I think he'll get better. I don't, I don't. I'm not really too worried about Eddie Rosario, even though the, the expected stats stay. He's not doing very well. I think he'll get better at some point. And then you're not really getting much offensively out of shortstop or center field. I mean, Harold Ramirez was was fun for like. Yeah, a we're, week. In we're, we're in first place. We're in first place. That's what I'm saying. They're competing. They're competing, and you've got like four spots in the lineup where you're getting absolutely nothing offensively outside of like a game or two a week where one of those guys does something good. You're it's basically Cesar Hernandez now that he has. Um, got their ears and Franz Mojo. Yeah, it, it's it's Caesar, it's Jose, it's Fran Mill. Josh Naylor has been a little bit better lately. That's kind of it. Yep, that's kind of your offense. And then they're twenty-one and fourteen. And um, I I don't know. It's too early to talk trade deadline. And I don't know that this team is going to make any trades to add anything really because they've got so many guys they need to look at. Maybe they will. Depends on the spot, but. I still think there's some internal upgrades. You can still bring up Miller or Bra- or Bradley or Jones. You can still bring up all Daniel Johnson, and and they won't be any. Oh uh, yeah, all aboard Owen Miller for sure. Owen Miller, um, Joey Gallo, call it a season. <laughs> Joey Gallo, I dude, man, I'm, you I'm and good. Willie, man. Dude, I am in love with Joey Gallo, man. I want to see. I don't care if it's a if it's a rental, man. I just want to see him in the Indies, Indians uniform and hit the mezzanine. I do. Is I mean, he even I'll, playing I'll, good I'll, this year? Uh, I mean, he 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 had a ninety eight point three mile an hour throwout at home in the extra innings last night. So you tell me. He's he's hitting two oh six this year with six homers. His his slugging percentage this year is under four hundred, and it was under four hundred last year, Spencer. Joey Gallo's power is not there right now, and it hasn't been for the last the last ninety games. Oh, okay, that's my whole point with Roberto. Roberto Press hasn't hit in three years, right? And now Joey Gallo, the one thing he does is walk the crap out of the ball. He's a rental that can hit a home run that is still better than Jake Bowers. That is my whole fucking point. <laughs> what is his ISO? His ISO is one sixty. That ain't great. It's okay. It's not. It's all right. So here, here it is. His last thirty games, he's hitting one ninety. Guess what his on base percentage is still? Four hundred. Three thirty. Yeah, that's fine. No, that's fine. It's, you're right. It's better than Jake Bowers. You're right. I'm just saying he's not the middle of the order slugger for whatever no, reason. No, I definitely. If Joey, if Joey Gallo were to get traded here for a prospect, I would definitely think he'd be batting like sixth or seventh. But guess what? I'd rather him batting sixth or seventh than Jake Bowers. And the thing is, since he's a rental. And we've traded with the Rangers before, and we fleeced them in a trade. Let's fleece them in another one. Let's fleece them in another so. one. I guess so. He's uh, 27. Yeah, I know. I know. He fits. He fits. But, yeah, again, they're competing right now without a lot of offense. I think they're going to eventually at some point do something, whether it's internal, external. I think it's more likely internal. They'll turn to some better options. Eddie Rosario will pick it up. They don't. Dude, they're not. And I, so it's cool how like how good some of the minor league teams have been off the start. But I've ran through a lot of their numbers. Like besides Owen Miller and like what Tyler Freeman and uh, the nineteen year old stud down in High A, uh, no one's hitting. Man, no one in the organization is hitting. Um, 
That's not oh, true. Oh, no, I take that back. Guys... Ernie, Ernie, Ernie Clements had a solid start. Well, Ernie Clements, Ernie Clements. But, I mean, there's some guys in that. And, like, yeah, how dare you disparage Ernie Clement? <laughs> Good guy, Ernie <laughs> Clement. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, the last time we did, we talked, the other thing I, was, I asked you was when the Indians come back from this West Coast swing with Seattle and, and L.A., um, would they still be in first place? We both said yes. They're not in first place right now, so there's still obviously more time in this road trip. They've got um, three more at the, Mar- the Mariners starting on Friday night and then three in L.A., so they don't come back home until May 21st. Are they back in first place by the time they get home? Do you still stick with that? Yeah, I don't. I don't think the Seattle Mariners or the Angels are good. Like Otanti and, uh, and Trout and all those guys. I, uh, I'm forgetting their other hitter who's really well good. I mean, yeah, like there's yeah, good pieces. Right on, yeah, uh, there's good pieces on the Angels. The Mariners are just a bad baseball team, which I feel really bad for because they haven't been to the playoffs since like Vietnam. But uh, they're not good, man. I think they take either three or four games from Seattle, which definitely means they'll lose tonight. That's my bad. Um, and, and then the angels aren't good, man. So I think they take like five or six games on this road trip. Yeah. I'd have to agree with you. I think they'll come home in first place as well. And you had mentioned to me, uh, on a text that the month of May is a pretty favorable one. Now they got at the end of April, the month of May they've got, okay. So they've got the rest of Seattle and the, and the angels. They've got the, the twins who stink, the tigers who are irrelevant. And then they end with one game or a series with, um, Toronto and the White Sox. Toronto's been okay. That'll be yeah. a little bit tough. I but. think I think May thirty first. Uh, you don't have to like quote me on this because I'm not saying it'll happen. But the I'm way that the schedule play, like the schedule plays out, my my prediction is is they will be ten games over by the end of the month. You heard it here. Mark it down. We'll see. Let's see. When, when's, when, when will we podcast in the month of June? We will probably do our first podcast 28th. in June. Uh, it'll probably be like the, th- the third. We'll probably podcast or the fourth. Yeah. Um, so we'll check back. If Spencer doesn't have – if the Indians are not 10 games over by 500 by then, um, everything is Spencer's do absolute, fault. Yeah, it'll be my fault. I'll do absolutely nothing to apologize for it. Um, but <laughs> uh, that's just – No accountability. Opinion. Someone's hey, got to hold your feet to the fire. Hey, I was just running the numbers, guys. I mean, they're a bunch of bad baseball teams. I didn't think they were going to lose two out of three to the Tigers. <laughs> yeah, when, when the Indians when the Indians inexplicably lose two games in a row to the Tigers, uh, everybody tweet at S. Carlson 29 saying this is all your fault. Like everybody tried I'll, to tweet me last I'll night. Literally just re- I'll just literally reply back with gifts and question marks, so don't even bother. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, we've gone long enough. If you listen this far, God bless you. Have a great weekend. Uh, we love you. And please, please, please check out the site, IndiansBaseballInsider.com. Uh, there's just a ridiculous amount of content. My head is spinning how, how much content we've put up between uh, coverage of Columbus, of Akron, of Lake County, notebooks, game game reports, uh, around the farm every night, which I'm so glad is back because every morning you can read about what happened in the farm system last night. And we've got MLB draft content up with more coming. Um, thanks to everybody who's contributed from, from well, you can follow them all on Twitter. I'll, I, I constantly tweet them out. Um, make sure you follow Spencer at Carlson 29 to let him know that if things aren't above 500 in, in the month of June, that it's all his um, fault. Uh, come find me at the ballpark. We'll, we'll talk about it. All right. Come find Spencer at the ballpark. He'll be there somewhere. You can follow me at JL underscore baseball. 
Thanks for listening. Catch you next week. Wow.